Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Amen. How many of you are thankful for church this morning? So thankful for the team that that led us in worship, and I just feel directed to share this quickly. I feel like the Lord was impressing on me earlier. As we talk about miracles and needing a miracle, and there's a story in Matthew 14 where Peter is walking on water. It's one that you already know. You've probably heard it before, but Peter steps out of a boat and starts walking on the water toward Jesus, something that uh, no person has ever done before uh, and has never done since. And we would all say that is a miracle, which in fact it is. Um, But what's amazing in the process is that um, when the circumstances surrounding Peter become so overwhelming and he's afraid of the storm, he starts to sink. And it's in that moment that he reaches up and takes hold of Jesus. And, and, and that's the true miracle of the story, is the salvation that came when he needed it. And I think it's very possible for us today uh, to go through our lives, even as Christians, to come to church and miss the fact that the greatest miracle that we have is access to a relationship with Jesus. Uh, and to be in relationship with God. And maybe this morning you find yourself here today, uh, you haven't been to church in a while, uh, and a while may be, hey, this is the first time back since COVID, or maybe a while is, hey, this is the first time back since you were in sixth grade. Uh, but either way, I'm glad that you're here. And uh, I get the privilege of being the pastor here at Awaken, and if we've not met, I would love to connect with you after the service in the foyer. Uh, you have walked into a series that... It's called Getting to Give, and we're talking about money. So I need everybody to take a deep breath real quick. Now let it out. Money makes people uncomfortable in church. Uh, when I start talking about tithing or finances, it's one of those things that uh, we, we tend to hold at arm's length, kind of stiff arm in the church. In fact, in life, honestly, it's amazing how consumed our culture is uh, with money, but we don't really touch on it much within these walls. In other words, you didn't come into church this morning and tell somebody what your net worth was, did you? And some of you are 23 years old, and you're like, what's a net worth? Some of you are 43 years old, like, what's a net worth, right? Uh, or how much you pay for your car, or how much you pay for your house, or definitely you don't tell anybody how much you tithe, or how much you give to the church, right? These are things we just don't talk about. And so when we jump into a series on giving or a series on money, it quickly can feel very taboo. Or you grew up on the other end of the pendulum where you grew up in a church that talks about money all the time. Anybody been in one of those? Right? It's like you see it on TV, wave a white handkerchief, call now for $9.99, we'll send you this, and a bottle of healing oil, and everything's going to be okay. Y'all, there's that side of it too. There's extremes, and I want to be very honest with you and saying, listen, the streams, the extremes are real, uh, and they exist. And so like anything else uh, that man has its hands involved in, yes, it can be corrupt. And the church and money can become a very corrupt thing. But just because there's uh, incidents of corruption doesn't mean we stay away from something that God commanded us to do. And so today I want to jump into uh, the topic of tithing. We've got a ladder that's going to be brought out here uh, momentarily. 
This ladder is a physical representation of a book uh, that you should have received last week. If you weren't here last week, make sure that you get this book on the way out. Um, It's a book that I believe will help transform um, our perspective when it comes to giving. Thanks, guys. Can we give it up for these guys? Appreciate it. Uh, The book is called Generosity Ladder, and it's it's written by a guy, uh, pastors of church up in New York, and it talks about really three phases of giving. And just to summarize it real quickly, again, you can get a free copy on the way out, but the, the three main phases of giving when it comes to finances and God, finances in the church, are basic giving, tithing, which is obedient giving, and then generosity, which is giving above and beyond the tithe. And I, and I got this ladder painted to give us an example, the red uh, illustrates basic giving. You go, what's basic giving? Basic giving is, hey, you, you give $50 in the offering plate every now and then, or maybe you give $100 every now and then online. You give to certain things that maybe the church is doing. That'd be like basic level giving. Uh, the orange signifies tithing, which is obedient giving. Uh, and obedient means you give 10%. And that's what God's, that's what I'm going to focus in on today. The title of this message is Time to Test the Tithe. Because I want to talk specifically about tithing because it's a game changer in the life of a Christian. It is a game changer to not only your personal finances, but your heart and perspective as you live in accordance to God's will for your life as a Christian. But basic giving, obedient giving, and then this top part yellow is generous giving. So giving above and beyond the tithe. And I'll talk more about that next week as we focus on our above and beyond initiatives for 2021 as a church. But today I want to drill down on tithing. So if you got your Bibles, open up to Leviticus chapter 27. Leviticus chapter 27. You probably, uh, a lot of people start reading the Bible in the book of John or book of Matthew. You probably did not start reading in the book of Leviticus. Um, It's the third book of the Bible. If you got a New Testament Bible, you will not have this in there. Uh, This is Old Testament law. And I'm going to give you some context on where this passage comes from in just a moment. But I I, I really want to, from the very beginning here, lay out exactly what tithing is and what it means. Because as there's been discussion in groups this past week, honestly, in groups over the past seven years since we've been in existence as a church, people have asked the question, I don't even know what tithe is. What What is, the church will say tithing, but what is tithing? And the truth is most People, either by choice, uh, some not by choice, are just ignorant when it comes to tithing. And I don't want to assume that you just don't, you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. And so this morning, you're not going to leave being able to accuse me of not informing you of what the Bible says about tithing. You will leave today and you'll be faced with a choice. Do I respond in obedience to what God's word says or not? That's a decision between you and the Lord. I hope today to lay out the information of what tithing is, touch on some application of why it matters to your life, and then we're going to close up this message with a story that should be some inspiration um, when it comes to giving and how God honors his method and his principle of tithing. So let's start with defining exactly what it is. If you have notes, you're taking notes, this is what I want you to write down. A tithe, the word tithe is a Hebrew word, and it literally means 10%. Everybody say 10%. 10%. That is what tithe means. All right, now, 
Let me read the passage, and then I'm going to give you some context to where it comes from. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. God speaking through Moses to his people. Every tithe of the land, or 10%, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. Holy to the Lord. Now, the word holy means set apart, means sanctified. It's why as God's people, why as the church, we should be holy and set apart. Our lives should look differently than the world, right? We pursue purity. We pursue generosity. We pursue love. These are things that set us apart as the people of God. Well, he says when it comes to uh, our finances or our possessions, every tithe, every 10% is his. Now, this was an agrarian society. They did not go to, they didn't go to work at eight o'clock on a Monday and work till five and get a paycheck, right? Their world looked very differently than ours. They would raise crops. They would raise animals, right? So you'd have a herd of cattle or you'd have fields of grain or fields of fruit. And what this passage teaches is that um, the first 10% of your flocks or of your fields belongs to the Lord. Here's what it would look like. The people would go out into their fields and let's say they gathered up baskets of grain and let's say they had 100 baskets of grain. Well, the first 10% or the tithe belonged to the Lord. So they would take 10 out of the 100 baskets and take them to the temple and they would provide that grain to the temple. Same thing with their animals. They would take the best, the first of what they had and they would bring it to the temple. Why? So that the temple could distribute it amongst the people as there was need. It was a way to honor the Lord with their 10% so that the Lord's house could distribute it to those in need. That's what the tithe was meant to be. Now, the, the context of when this is given is incredibly important. And I'm going to give you thousands of years of history in about three minutes. So track with me. Adam and Eve in the garden, God places Adam and Eve in the garden and he gives them everything, right? Like it's a beautiful garden. He gives them animals. He says, look, work the land, name the animals. And they begin fruitful and they multiply. And God's people begin to grow in number. Abraham becomes the father of many nations. Abraham, under Abraham, uh, the Israelites are God's people multiply by the masses. There's about a million and a half of them uh, when we get to the end of Genesis and they're in slavery. They're enslaved in Egypt. And in Egypt, they had masters. They had people that uh, provided for them very little, that mistreated them. They were literally, they were living under the command and under the provision of someone else as slaves until God chooses Moses, says, Moses, go deliver my people, lead them out of Egypt. And so Moses carries the people out of Egypt. It's about a million and a half to two million. They get into the desert, in the desert. And Tevin, our group's pastor, touched on this last week in an incredible message In the desert, every single day for 40 years, God provided for his people manna on the ground. He fed his people every single day. They were no longer under slavery, those masters. They were out under his provision in the desert. And for 40 years, this happened until they got to the Jordan River. And they crossed the Jordan River into the promised land that God said he would give his people. And once they get into the promised land, then something crazy starts to happen. They now, for the first time in their generational history, have their own property and their own ability 
to raise animals and raise crops and have homes. Think about that. They get into uh, the, the Canaan, the promised land, and they begin to get their land allocated to them, right? So it's like, hey, Tevin, here's your 10 acres. Like, go at it, man. Have fun. Um, hey, Ashley, here's your 20 acres. Go at it and have fun. Hey, hey, Bryson Bray, here's your 25 acres. Like, y'all go build. And, and all God's people got allocated land. And on this land, they built homes, they raised animals, they planted crops. And for the first time, really in their history, they became self-sustaining. And what I've learned to be true, and maybe you as well, is that when we become self-sustaining, our dependence on God diminishes. In other words, as you're successful in life, there is a natural drift away from dependency on God. Think about it like this. When you're a child, you're 100% dependent on your parents, right? Like you, you don't feed yourself. They have to feed you. They go to the grocery store for you. They make the meals for you. When you become a teenager, even when you think you're independent and you think you don't need your parents anymore, y'all be going hungry if it weren't for your mom and dad right now, right? You're still dependent on them. But as you get into out of high school, whether you're working or in college, you gain some independence, your need from mommy and daddy starts to diminish a little bit. You don't call as much, don't go home as much, right? Because you become independent of the need of provision from those parents, or at least you should. Some of y'all are like, my kid didn't, and I'm sorry for that. Here's the deal. God's people, as they got into the promised land, they start to become self-sustaining, independent, thinking, you know what? I planted these crops, I raised these animals, I built this house, I'm in control. And the tendency is to start to believe I'm God because I'm controlling my stuff. And God says, no, 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 no. I need you to remember who it is that brought you out, who it is that provided for you, who it is that gave you every single thing that you lay your hands on. It's me. And the tithe, the tithe is an act of worship that signifies everything I have is from the Lord's and the first 10% of it is his. Tithing is less about the amount you give back to God and more about your posture that it's all his anyway. And I know some of you right now are like, wait a minute, you want me to give 10% of what I make? Pastor, is that 10% on my net income or is that 10% on my gross income? You want them to bless your net or your gross? That's what you got to ask. Let me put a chart up real quick because this is going to make it very real. I just think we might as well make everybody uncomfortable real fast. There's a money chart. Here it is. All right. It's a giving chart. We're going to put this on our website on the giving page. And I want to be really clear here. Like, I don't know what your income is. The the mean income or the average income in the Charleston Tri-County area is about $37,000. So I'll just pick that 40,000 on the left. Okay. If you make $40,000 annually, when we come over to the tithe column right here, you should be giving $333 a month to the Lord's house. You're like, hold up a second. That pays for my Honda Accord. I don't have that to give, preacher. Here's what I want to encourage you with. This principle, this column of obedience It's not a negotiable, and I'm just the messenger. So as we look at the principle of tithe, 
I want you to understand, all of us find our place on this chart. Informationally, God said, this is what you're commanded, called to do as my people. Now, it's up to us whether or not we're going to do it. And I, I would say this to you. Let's go ahead and pull the chart down because some people are running math right now and you're like, I don't belong in this church, okay? Uh, we'll, we'll pull the, 18 years. I stand here 18 years. I've been tithing. 20 years ago, uh, I gave my life to Jesus as a junior in college. It wasn't until about a year and a half, almost two years after that, that I began tithing. And the only reason I began tithing is because uh, my wife and I were looking at our finances. We were just before our wedding, Ashley, many of y'all know Ashley, um, and we were running our budget and she was, you know, calculating the tithe amount and she's like, you know, this, I'm like, babe, we can't, we can't afford to tithe. She's like, excuse me? We, and I worked at a church. <laughs> she was like, babe, we, we can't afford not to tithe. We have to do this. And at the time we were living in a little efficiency apartment. I was driving in a Zuzu Rodeo, had a busted up engine in it. She was working at Cracker Barrel trying to make her way through college. It made zero sense for us. But here I am 18 years later, and I want you to understand, I could tell you story after story after story of God's providence and provision in our life that is a direct result of our faithfulness and tithing. And it hasn't always been some check in the mail, by the way. It just means that when we lay our heads down at night, we're not anxious and worried and stressed about this thing called money. Why? Because we don't put our hope and trust in money. We put our hope and trust in God. And tithing is a way to signify my hope and trust is in the Lord because he's the giver of all things. And so if you don't tithe, now you go, if you're here today and you're like, I don't tithe, like that's a struggle for me. My guess would be, my guess would be based on the words of Jesus, you just said where your treasure is, there your heart is also. If you're not tithing, there's a really good chance that your hope and trust is in your stuff, not the one who gave it. And we'll talk about that a little more in a moment. But in Leviticus chapter 27, God says, this is the system of tithing. This is why I put it in place. So at the beginning of every week, or when you come into my house, bring 10%, the first and best 10% of what you have to me. It's to calibrate your heart and remind you, hey, God is in control of all and he's the giver of all and everything I have is his. Now, the people of God, they did it. Like they started walking out those principles. I imagine if I was a, uh, a husband in those days, you know, me and, say me and Ashley, we live back in the promised land, you know, and it's like, hey, I, I, I know what God, by the way, and this is important too, these people who are getting the law, they watched their parents die in the desert for disobedience. Like they, they watched them die off because of fear and disobedience. So when God gave them a law, it was like, oh, we, we're definitely keeping that. Right. Because I don't I don't want the result uh, to be the same as what happened to my mom and dad because they were disobedient to the Lord. Maybe we've forgotten the wages of disobedience or the wages of sin is death. Right. Like I want to fall in line with what God's word says. I want to be obedient to what he says. Yes, because there's blessings for me on the other side of it, but also just because that's what he said to do. They received this, and I imagine if we lived then, it'd be like, okay, listen, gather it up, count it up. Okay, let's make sure we got exactly, okay, okay, it's 100 baskets. All right, so we're going to take 10 to the temple. And I imagine for our kids, we would teach them to do the same thing. By the way, parents, and the reason I'm glad that A kids are involved in this whole tithing talk and money talk, we have a responsibility to raise our kids to understand these principles of finances if we're going to be a godly household. For instance, 
my son, he's in this service. He's got a little lawn care business in our neighborhood. And Braley, at the peak of his success in his lawn care business, got about eight or 10 yards. That's pretty good at $50 a yard front and back, weed eating, trimming, and blowing off the yard. And he's really good at what he does. Uh, when he got his first yard, and that first $50 came in, I remember the conversation that our, our, his mom had with him, my wife Ashley. Right, that's five, $5 goes to the church. What do you mean, what do you mean $5? That's, that's, my, that's, my, you know, that's my money, you know? No, bro, that's, that's tithing. The Lord, the Lord gave you this job, right? So he's going to continue to bless you in your business. All right, fine, you know. And customer Venmo's Ashley and gives it to Braley, gives money to the church. And, you know, and then, then, then the, the business starts to flourish. I'm not saying that your business will always flourish if you tithe, but uh, that $5 wasn't much, but... Whenever you got like six or seven yards, right, and the tithe becomes like thirty-five or forty dollars, it's more, and it's like, oh man, that's a lot. That's actually a whole yard I'm now giving, right? And the, my my point in saying this is that the more you make, if I were to put that chart back up there, the larger the tithe gets, and the more difficult at times it can be because you can do so many other things with that money. See, my point is, the more you start to to gather, the more at times you're tempted to be God of what you have. What happened in the Old Testament, they tithed and they carried out this principle under the kingship of Saul, the kingship of David, the kingship of Solomon. And when we get to the end of the Old Testament, there's an account in Malachi chapter three where the people of God had just stopped tithing. Famine had hit the land. There was a drought, which means they didn't have much. And typically when you don't have much or you have little the tendency is to, to white knuckle everything you have and try to control it and try to manage it and try to steward it. And it reminded me when I was reading this and studying for this message, it kind of reminded me of the, the COVID season in a lot of ways where maybe you've lost a job, which by the way, if you don't have a job, you don't have an income, tithing does not apply to you. This is for those who are earning an income. But even for those who maybe are making money right now but are strapped, the tendency is to go, I need to control this. I need to steward this. I need to manage this. And in Malachi chapter three, that's exactly where God's people are. And they're crying out to God. The people had gathered together. They were actually worshiping the Lord. And in prayer, they essentially say, why are we struggling? Why are we going through such difficulty? Why is this happening to us, God? Maybe you found yourself in that place. Maybe you found yourself as a Christian or someone going to church like, God, why am I having to deal with this? Why are my ends? Why are my bills not being paid? Like, why am I going through all these financial struggles? Why am I having these hardships? Why, why, why? And in the midst of them asking why in Malachi chapter three, God speaks back to them. And what he says is incredibly important for us. Now, again, I'm just delivering the word to you. You have to figure out how you want to respond to it. This is informational to explain the history of tithing. In Malachi 3, as they cry out, why is this happening? This is what God says to them. He says, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes or principles, and you've not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? In other words, God says, look, you come back to me, and I'll meet you in that place. It's what Andrew read earlier during our worship services. If we'll draw near to God... He'll draw near to us. There is some action on our behalf. God says to his people, come back to me. And they're like, wait a minute, we didn't leave, we're here. How do we come back to you? And in verse eight, God says, 
Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And you say, well, how have we robbed you? I say in your tithes and your offerings. God says, look, the reason our relationship is off is because you've committed a felony. Now, there's two ways to rob people. One, one way to rob somebody is to take what's theirs. Right. And I know this seems elementary, but it's important that we understand one way to rob somebody is to take what's theirs. If I were to go after church up to Tanger Outlets and I saw somebody walking around with a couple Nike bags full of shoe boxes, and I was like, hmm, you know what? I want those shoes. And I ran up and I grabbed those orange Nike bags and ran to my car. I'd be on the news. You know why? Theft. I just robbed somebody. I took what was theirs. The other way to rob somebody is to not pay them what's rightfully theirs. For instance, let's say you own a business. Somebody does some work for you. Put in a day's labor. Let's say you owe them $200. But you as a business owner don't pay that $200. You're robbing that person of what they're due. God says to his people, you've been robbing me of tithes and offerings. In other words, you've been withholding what I'm due. That's a hard pill to swallow. They're saying, God, help us out. And he's saying, look, help is on the other side of obedience. Oftentimes we want the blessings of God without obedience to God. And God says, if you want to walk in my blessings, it starts with actually being obedient. Verse nine, he says, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. So verse 10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. See, what God ultimately says to his people is this. You strayed a long time ago from the agreement that I had with your forefathers. The agreement was this. Keep me in proper perspective as your provider and I'll provide for everything that you need. But the moment you step into my place, then, then you're going to pay the price for your disobedience. And you're going to walk in scarcity and you'll be under a curse, that curse being sin because the sin is disobedience. How does this apply to us in the room today? Here's, here's how it applies. You're, you're in one of three categories. I'm going to add up. You're in one of four categories today. Everybody in this room, including myself, we're in one of four categories The first category is someone, it's not even on the ladder, it's just the floor. If you looked at the last year of your life, you haven't given anything to the Lord. See, in the Old Testament, the storehouse was the temple. In the New Testament, the storehouse is the church. And God says, even in your your, uh, lesser than, even in your famine, still bring it into the storehouse so that I can provide, so that the church, the local church, can provide for those who are in need. Can I just tell you here at this house, even during COVID, through the faithfulness of those who tithe that awaken church, we've been able to give to those that are in need. The stories of being able to pay utility bills for people who are about to be evicted or to put up someone who's homeless in a hotel or to give a car to a family who cannot even travel to and from work. The feeding of thousands of people through the food drives that have taken place during, I'm talking about during COVID. This is the last couple of months. These things have been happening because of the faithfulness of tithing. And you'll hear Jordan and Haviland just a few moments share how their tithing helps them feel a part of that mission, even though they hands on haven't been at every single event. 
This is the way the tithe was designed to work. But the first category is somebody who, they haven't given anything. The second category is this, those who give something, right? I call it a tip. You can either tithe God or you can tip God, right? It's like, you give something every now and then. It's like, you know, you don't think about how much you make or what your income is. You've never calculated 10%, but you'll drop $50 every now and then online or $100 every now and then in the giving station. And, and that's not bad. Listen, I'm not condemning that type of giving. I'm just helping you understand it's disobedient when we look at God's word. It's short of what he calls us to. It's short of what he, and I know it's a high bar. You're like, whoa, it's 10%. Wait a minute. Listen, everything about following Jesus is a high bar. Everything. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, Jesus goes, he tells people, look, you've heard it said an eye for an eye and two for a tooth. This is what I say. Someone strikes in the cheek, give him the other cheek. That's, that's very, that's a hard teaching, right? Jesus says, you've heard it said that uh, not to commit adultery. I say that if you even look at someone lustfully, you've already committed adultery. That's a hard teaching. Wouldn't you agree? Jesus just made everything a little bit harder because he raises the bar when it comes to holiness. But there's people who don't give anything, people who give something every now and then, and then there's tithing, which is obedience level giving. That's the person who sits down or the couple that sits down and says, look, we want to be in step of obedience with what God calls us to as a family or as an individual. And they calculate, this is how much we make, so this is what we're going to give. And, and if there has to be adjustments in the budget, that's not the light on them that gets adjusted. Let me walk through that for a minute. In other words, if you were to go home today, and I would encourage you to do this. I'm about to make it really uncomfortable in some vehicle rods on the way home or in some living rooms at home. I would encourage you to go home as an individual or as a couple and really think about where your spending has gone last month. Maybe just, take, maybe just take the month of October and calculate, hey, this is, this is what God provided. And by provision, I mean, this is what he allowed you to make at whatever job that you work, right? So this is what God provided, and then this is how we spent it. And, I, and, and really think about percentages, because when I, when I start putting these figures on a chart, some of you are like, nah, no way I can give $333 a month and I make 40000 a year. But when you look at where you spent last month, your, your rent may be incredibly high, right? Because of where you've chosen to live. In other words, uh, you got a rent price that's North Charleston and you got a rent price that's Mount Pleasant. Some of y'all are struggling in Mount Pleasant and you don't belong in Mount Pleasant. Or maybe you go, wait a minute, that 333 a month, like that's my car payment. Well, the truth is maybe you're driving a car that you really can't afford. And you go, no, no, I can afford it. You can't afford it if you're going to be obedient to what God calls you to be, right? So you got to ask the question, do, do you want to continue living a lifestyle outside of his blessing or do you want to bring your lifestyle up under his blessing? That's the question you really have to ask. And no one's going to do this for you. That's the other side. No one's going to go, hey, look, um, you really want to be, you really be a faithful disciple? Let's have a talk. Here's all the adjustments you need to make. You have to go ask for it. You have to pursue it. You have to make the adjustments, and it does take work. It takes work. It takes sacrifice. But it's 100% worth it. 
You go, well, wait a minute, this is the Old Testament. You're talking about Old Testament law. I hear this, uh, I've heard this argument from Christians before. That's the Old Testament law. I'm in the New Testament, so I live under grace, right? No longer law, I'm all grace. And it always blows my mind because it's like nowhere else in Scripture is grace used, but the bar dropped. Except when it comes to giving with some people. Right, like think about it like this. Jesus in the New Testament shows up. And by the way, he was Jewish, so this practice of tithing was all over culturally. And Jesus, the, one of the few times that he actually talked specifically about tithing, which by the way, Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell. 11 out of the 39 parables, 100% about money. Jesus knew, just like God the Father knew, that our hearts would always be tied to money. Jesus himself said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That's why if you look at what you spent last month, it'll tell me what you care and love what you care about and what you love, right? You're like, no, I can't afford to tithe, but you're hitting Starbucks four times a week and not getting Pike coffee. You get one in fancy, which you can't even pronounce that are $7. That $333, some of y'all, that's your Starbucks bill every month. Do the math. That tells me what you value. Tells me what you love. And I know it, I know it comes off as me being critical or critiquing but I, I don't want you to be ignorant of what God's word says. In Matthew 23, let's put the scriptures on the screen. I want you to see this. The, there was a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees would teach out in the public squares and teach God's word. They would manipulate it at times. And Jesus called them hypocrites because oftentimes what they said and what they did were two different things. But in Matthew 23, as he's tearing into them at one point, he says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Okay, this is what was taking place. They believed in the tithe so much. They were so obedient to the law. They would go out to their garden and let's say there was 10 leaves on their mint tree. They would take one leaf and carry it to the temple and give it. That's how much attention they paid to the tithe. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. Oftentimes, what some Christians, and I would even say, they water down the teaching, they, they pit tithing and justice against each other. Yeah, in the Old Testament, is all about giving money. In the New Testament, is all about uh, giving love and giving justice, giving mercy. This is what Jesus says. You should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. In other words, Jesus is going, look, tithing is a given. Of course you tithe. But you can't just give. You also have to go out and serve and show mercy and show love and give justice. Jesus affirmed, not just affirmed, but raised the bar once again on what giving looked like. We say here, you know, you hear us talk about gather, grow, give, go. We gather for worship together. We grow in faith through relationships. We give of our time, talent, and treasure. And then we go after our one. We go after the person that doesn't know yet, or not yet know God. What does gather, grow, give, go mean? We've said these are marks of a disciple. In other words, if you want to be a disciple who's following Jesus, yes, you give your tithe, that's a given, but you also give your time and your talent. That's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. He's not dismissing the law of tithing. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill the law. When we look at Jesus, we look at a generous God who did what? He gave his one and only son. He gave everything to us. Our God is a giver. 
And when we look at the New Testament, you, you can't walk into it and go, oh, I'm a New Testament, I'm under grace, law or tithing doesn't apply to me. Y'all, the Old Testament's 10%, the New Testament's everything, if you really want to go there. Right? New Testament's like, look, whatever you got, just give it. The book of Acts, I mean, Acts chapter 6, the apostles are like, hey, if you got land, go sell your land and bring the proceeds. We're trying to plant this church and push forth the mission and take care of these widows and orphans. And there was this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, and they went and sold a field. And they're like, yeah, we'll give some of the proceeds, but not all of it. We'll just tell them it's going to be all of it. All right, we're going to try to plot against it. It's like some of y'all, you can go home today and be like, um, yeah, I know what 10% is. I'm going to give four and feel good about myself. We'll, we'll, we'll give some of it and we'll lie. So they bring it, they give it. The apostles are like, hey, is this everything? Yeah, it's everything. Boom. Struck dead. The apostles look at the youth group and say, hey, boys, go dig a hole out back. Put him in there because his wife's about to come. We're going to ask her the same question. And then she comes in. Boom. Lies. Dead. Bury out back. Y'all are like, bro, what is he teaching right now? It's, it's in Acts chapter 6. It's crazy. Why? Because God takes giving seriously. Because it's an indicator of our hearts. It's an indicator of our hearts. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Ananias and Sapphira, their hearts were set to deceive the saints. God says, that's not going to fly. And as we think about and contemplate money and tithing in this place today, let me encourage you with this. Don't deceive yourself by thinking you can better steward something that you didn't get for yourself. Everything that you have is from the Lord. So why not trust him with it? That's what tithing is. Tithing is saying, I trust in the giver more than the gifts. And when you don't tithe, what you're saying is, I value what he's given more than I value him. If you love God, you'll use your money to show it. If you love money, you'll use God to get it. And God is not someone who's going to be used. I told the earlier service, and I'll tell you the same. Oftentimes people look at tithing like a stock market, where it's like, hey, look, I think God and his kingdom's got a pretty good track record on money. So I'm going to throw 100 in to this publicly traded company and see what happens. And you put $100 in one month, $100 in the next month, and you go, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not getting the return on my investment that I think I should. I'm going to pull my money out because I'll go take it another place. That's not how this works. It's not how, I don't want you thinking that you can give money in a tithe and somehow think God's just going to start writing checks your way. I have stories like that, and I've heard stories like that. But the blessings I'm talking about is being under the covering of God's blessing. Less anxiety, less uh, worry, less stress. And more than anything, just an alignment and obedience knowing I'm in the will of God for my life. That is where joy comes from, church. So what does it mean for you? Here's what I encourage you with. Whether you're on the floor right now, if you're there and you haven't given anything, can I just encourage you to get in the game? Put the money chart back up there real fast. Maybe for you it starts with just some basic giving. You go, look, there is no way, there's no way right now I can drop 10% of my income to the Lord's house. There's just no way I can do it. And listen, maybe you're in that boat right now. Can I encourage you with this? Make it a priority. It's really three P's if I had to lay it out for you. Make it a priority. Pick a percentage on this chart and try not to default to what's easiest being a dollar. 
In other words, make sure your tithe is more than your coffee tab each month. Pick a pri- make it a priority. Pick a percentage of your income and then make progress to the right. That's the three P's. Make it a priority, pick a percentage, and make progress. And the goal for everybody in this room would eventually be to get to a place where you're at the obedient level, where we're in line with what God calls us to be, and we're giving that 10%. And y'all, that's not some ceiling that we get to. Like a tithe is actually the floor, so that we can be generous above and beyond. I've never met somebody who tithes that wasn't generous. I really haven't. Now, I've met a lot of people who are generous that don't tithe, but I've never, I've never met a tither who was not also coupled with being someone who was generous. And I've never met somebody who tithes that wishes they never got into it. I want to invite you today, when you go home, get in your car, wherever the, the conversation can happen. If you're married, obviously if you're single, you can work this out on your own, but maybe with your roommates, or if you're here today, friends, but really do the hard work, really do the calculations and ask yourself, what would it take for me to get into alignment with, with who God calls me to be, what his word says about giving? And if you're in a small group, listen, you're going to be talking about it this week. So don't come up with a work excuse on why you can't be there. All right. It's going down. But the reason why is this. And I, again, I'm up here as an 18 year veteran of someone who's trusted God with his tithe. Life is better when you're walking in obedience to his word. And, and the blessings that follow, they, I promise you, you have your own stories to tell in years to come if you'll just take them at his word.